0: Yeah, let's just pray for Jill quickly. God, we pray. We thank you for Jill, Lord. We thank you for um, the anointing you put on her for speaking, Lord. We pray you um, just bless her words today, Lord, and that you can just speak through her, and that we can all just receive what you have to say. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Cool. Cheers. So, morning all. Morning. morning. Um, So today, we're going to talk about transformation. Well, I'm going to talk about transformation, but I hope it will be something that you talk about after today as well. Um, And I think this is probably the introduction to a series of of preachers that we'll do about transformation, because actually when you begin to look at what that word means, all the stuff in the Bible about transformation, you know, God is all about lives being transformed, communities being transformed. Uh, And actually, when you begin to open it up, it was quite hard for me today to pin it down and say, God... What is it you want me to say today? Because there's kind of a week worth of lectures that you could do. So it's not a week, don't worry, it won't take that long. Um, So I'm going to start off by reading Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. So if you've got your Bibles. Romans 12, 1 to 8. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace of God given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So the bit we want to pull out today really is the section about being transformed. But you can't read the Bible without working out what's gone before it and what comes after it. It's very difficult to take a little section and focus on it without having a context to it. Um, so in that section there's lots of parts and the thing that strikes me which we'll come back to is that there's something about transformation that leads on to how we work together as a community, how we as a church operate, how we operate in our own giftings and how we then give to one another and give to people outside of the church. But today we're going to focus a bit more on the beginning and I think next time we'll come back and talk about the outward reaching um, piece of work but the bit about transformation i'll read the middle bit again do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will so a bit of an introduction to the word transformation that comes in our bibles in the english version now if we have the first slide up um, the greek word is a word called metamorpho thanks Metamorpho, similar to a word that we use, metamorphosis. Yeah. Um, And it means profound or complete change. So there's something completely different about it. So you think about the examples in nature that we often think of. For me, the one I I thought I'd use is tadpoles to frogs. So you get tadpole spawn, and it's this tiny, round, little clump of tadpole spawn. And the metamorphosis it goes through produces a frog. You know, from a little bit of tadpole spawn to something swimming around to something that can both swim and jump and think. now I never use butterflies because I'm a little bit creeped out by butterflies <laughs> but of course that's a common example but I shan't dwell on it because it makes me squeamish <laughs> I know, I don't know why, it just does, it's one of those things, I would never ever go into one of those butterfly houses where they fly around and they land on you, no <laughs> no But anyway, they do also go through metamorphosis. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. Um, But you think about then the English translation, which is the next slide. And again, it uses the notion of complete change. So metamorphosis is more than just tinkering at the edges. It's more than just a little bit of a difference. It's a massive difference, complete, profound, these are all big words about the level of change that something goes through, from a tadpole through to a frog. But also the in- English translation also talks about improved, that typically it results in an improved state, um, which, which is important, because who would want to go through a transformation if your end outcome is worse than the one you started with? That would be tricky, and it wouldn't be something we'd probably be rushing to preach about on a Sunday. Um, but metamorphos, metamorpho, the Greek word, is used four times in the Bible. So I'm just going to read each of the four, um, and we'll talk about what each one says. The first one is in Matthew 17, verses 1 to 2. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light." The next account is very similar in Mark 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. We've got the verse that we read in Romans, and then we've got a verse in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, four versions of the word "metamorpho," but they're a bit different, aren't they? So, there's two accounts of Jesus being transfigured. Now, there's a difference there because what is being described as a very physical transformation of a, a white appearance whiter than anything in the world could bleach. The other two accounts are about God working in order to transform us continually. So there's a few differences that that we can pull out from that. In Matthew and Mark, both of those verses are used in the past tense. So they're describing something that happened. So we went up the mountain and this is what happened to Jesus. It's also passive. So he was transfigured. There wasn't an active part in that. It's something that happened to him. You look at the Corinthians uh, and our Romans verse, and they're about being transformed. They're a present tense. They're both used in the present tense. And for those English scholars, of which I am not one, um, they use a passive imperative. So if there's any Anyone that makes sense of that? So the passive means, for the Romans and the Corinthians verses, not only is it a present tense, so it's not a one-off, it's a continuation, it's a process, it's not a a description of something that has happened, it's something that is happening. It's not a future thing that will happen, it's a now thing. It is happening. But the passive part of it is that it's not requiring us to force ourselves to be transformed. It's not from us it's not an internal thing from us it's an external thing where christ is the catalyst so passive doesn't mean however we have no responsibility so the passive imperative means that we have responsibility the spirit will enable us and guide us but the action is ours to do so it's not passive in a sense that you just wait god you're going to do this thing and I'm just going to do nothing about it. I'm just going to wait here and this thing, you're going to transform me without me having any part in it. It's a passive imperative where we have responsibility. The spirit will enable and guide us, but some action is required from us. And they're quite different to that verse about Christ being transfigured. So to be transformed, we need to remember looking at the two verses that use that word in a Present passive term is about letting God, letting Christ be the catalyst for change in our lives. Now, it might be change in our faith, it might be change in our physical being, it might be change in our circumstances, it might be change in the church, and for the church, it might be change in our community. But in order to do that, the catalyst is not only from ourselves. It's not something where we're going to get together as a group and say, Right, we've decided we're going to do X. The catalyst is Christ, and then the action comes by a group saying, we've heard from God, and therefore, we want to see some change happen. And I was really fascinated by that, because I have to say, when I first read them, it seemed like a very similar word. Maybe it was obvious that one was in the past tense, Jesus was transfigured. But the current, the present, and the passive imperative for me were really important actually. So the catalyst is Christ, but we have responsibility. And if the catalyst is Christ, if we choose to, we could choose not to take responsibility and not take the action and therefore not be transformed because he's not going to drag us kicking and screaming to that new place. Now we might end up in a position that we give in, but actually it requires us to be connected with Christ to hear from him, to take that catalyst, and to do something about it. So, metamorpho is a bit more than the tadpole we started with. But you know, this bit about transformation that the, the um, verses I've read, they're not the start. All right, this isn't a start point, isn't that you're going to jump and Christ's going to transform you and continue transforming you. The start point is when you become saved. When you give your life to Christ and you say, actually, I choose you. And 2 Corinthians 5 says, you know, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. So the transformation, the start point, is giving your life to Jesus. We then talk about continuing to be transformed in our life as Christians. And it doesn't end with salvation either. All right? So it doesn't start, it starts with our decision to be saved, but it doesn't end there. It's not once you're saved, Jesus keeps you exactly the same as you always have been. He doesn't teach you things, he just leaves you as you are because you've been saved. You've been saved, so that's fine, you can get to heaven. That's not, that's not how it works. You are saved, and he continues to transform you into his likeness in order that we can do things for him and reflect him in the world that we live in. Salvation is the start, not the end, and transformation is a continued process. So there's two aspects to transformation um, that we've touched on. I'll just move to the next slide. Uh, One is personal. It's about experiencing and living the transformative power of Christ in your life. It's an active now, I am experiencing the transforming power of Christ. And there's the witness to others that comes out of that, that actually, if we are being transformed, chances are people will notice it around us, people that know us well, family, friends, work colleagues but also we will begin to transform our community. We won't be able to stop it being transformed because we will all be different and therefore it will leak out into our community. It will filter out into our community. But today we're going to focus on the personal rather than the outside. So I thought it might be helpful just uh, looking through and thinking about transformation and some of the ways that we might think about it and try and just clarify a bit what it is and what it's not. So I'm going to start with talking about what transformation is not, because sometimes it's quite helpful to make sure you're really clear about what something isn't before you try and build up what it is. Um, So next slide, Sharon. So transformation is not striving for self-improvement independently of Christ. So if you go into a bookshop, you will find loads of books about self-improvement. There'll be whole sections and book racks about improving yourself, changing your life, turning your life around. Uh, Transformation in the biblical sense is not about that. The driver, as we said, is not only from us. Now, if Christ has a catalyst in you, that doesn't mean some of those books may not be helpful in your transformation. But the internal catalyst comes from him. Through a relationship with Jesus, he may point out to you things that you need to think about differently, things that you need to do differently. But they're not about continual striving for self-improvement independent of Christ. It should be in keeping with the word. So if if you've got a notion that there's going to be some transformation, it should not be outside of what God's Word says. And it shouldn't separate us from Christians, Christian connections, Christian influences. Yeah, you, One does have to worry if there's things that people want to be transformed and they're moving in a particular direction, but it's something that's going to keep them away from meeting with other Christians, connecting with other Christians, coming on a Sunday, not that, we, that that's, the, not, that's the whole of it, but it's about being part of it, isn't it? it's not about making ourselves better so there's a bit of a worldview isn't there that we are always striving to make ourselves better want to be a better person and all the magazines you know particularly thinking of a lot of the women's magazines are about self-improvement and the focus is on you need to do something to make yourself better it's about Jesus making us who he's called us to be whatever that is whatever he's called me to be I want him to transform me so that I can be completely that Not a little bit that, completely that. I want to be that. And it's not about me having to strive to do that. It's about letting him influence my life so that I walk his path to be the person he's going to make me to be. Because if I make what I think I want to be, mate, I'll get it wrong. We will all get it wrong. We want to be who Jesus called us to be, not a better version of ourselves from our own eyes. So transformation is not striving for self-improvement. And that's quite contrary to what we see in the world. The world tells us that we should all get on and improve ourselves. Um, It's not desiring to be something that the world sees as desirable. Our eyes are on Christ, not what the world sees as good. So there's quite a lot of dialogue out of church circles, isn't it, about as long as you're a good person... Living for the moment, take every chance, never mind who you trample on, you've got to push yourself. There's a kind of dialogue that goes along that is about you doing stuff, you've, you've got to drive it. Um, and what was desirable before? So if you think back, I don't know, 50 years or whatever, the things that people were striving for then aren't the same now. So if you strive for something that's now, it won't be long before it's not now anymore and it will become redundant. You know, there's probably times where people were striving for particular kinds of fashion that you wouldn't dream of wearing now. You know, there's probably times where people were into particular types of sports and tried to be the best as they could be at that, but then it became unfashionable. And if you strive for things in the world, you will always be chasing the next big thing. You know, there's a time where Facebook was the most popular thing. And then Snapchat is the new thing, so my goddaughter tells me anyway. Um, or Instagram you know if you if you absorb yourself in what the world says is the now you'll be you'll be constantly chasing your tail to the next thing and you know the world has a lot of views about what people should look like about how people should behave about the things that the world finds valuable we are not to be molded remember the bible says do not be conformed by the world and in our transformation we rise on what the, the world says is a good person to fix our eyes on jesus and let him change us to be who he wants us to be and then it won't run out of steam it won't be the 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 old thing because it's jesus he's taking us somewhere um so don't desire to be something that the world sees as good or valuable it's not about copying religious behavior all right it's not about coming to church and making sure when we stand up you stand up when we sit down you sit down when we put one hand in the air you do the same that's not what it's about it's about your heart and if you come here and you want to worship and you want to sit quietly and not stand when we stand brilliant if you want to dance at the back or the front or the side great but what it is not about is being transformed so that you're like us so that you behave like us you look like us it's about jesus working in your life so that you meet with him and if that's the thing that he's got you to do, and if one week you want to dance in the streets and the next week you want to sit quietly, great. All right? It's not about being like me, like Dave, like Larry. It's not about that. It's about meeting him. And similarly to that, it's not about molding to the church culture. Now, let's not pretend that we've got a little mini culture in the church here, and in many churches, and churches themselves. People who come from the outside who have never been to a church have an expectation of what a church looks like. And it's usually, they're usually quite surprised to come here because it's a bit different to what their impression is. Um, but we're not called to be transformed to a specific church culture. We're not called to be molded into what the leaders think is the right way to behave. The leaders think they, it's about you and Jesus. You're a disciple to Christ, not to the leadership team, not to your life group leader, not to your ministry leader. Your relationship is with Christ and it's not about us and we need to remember that as a church as well when people do come in and aren't used to the way that we think things run it's about them meeting with god in their own way in their own time and if they don't want to stand and they don't want to sing no problem when they're ready and if they want to that's jesus's business not ours And it's not focused on us i'm sorry to say all this lovely work about transformation it's not about you it's about him now you will be being transformed but it's him working in you and what we can't become is a a church or a a nation of christians that spend our whole time navel-gazing at ourselves analyzing what we're doing looking at our faults perhaps we look at our backgrounds our abilities what we've done in the past, and we become so focused on the internal that we forget it's about him. It's about looking to him and having his words over us, his love in us and his work in our lives through a personal relationship with him. It's not focused on us, but focused on him. So that's all the things that transformation is not. Let's move on to the next slide, Sharon. Transformation is... Transformation is central to Christ's plan for us, because the Bible says so. We were saved, and we are continuing to be transformed into his likeness. Fact. That is Christ's central plan for us. And he does that because he wants to reflect himself in us. And he wants to do that for, us, for many reasons, I'm sure, but one of which is to be who we're meant to be to get rid of the ties that have bound us to the position we are in now, to get rid of the things that have caused us to feel trapped or less free than we might have been. And it's a great expression I I found when I was looking at this. Uh, Transformation is a heart occupation with Christ. It's a heart occupation with Christ. So the occupation of your heart is with Jesus. And that really struck me thought yeah that's what it's about that's what transformation is and it's a process we are continually transformed and all transformations are in the past it was making me think a bit about when i'd been through some quite difficult times a year or two ago and i was definitely being changed and god spoke to me at the time of a word which was refining he was going to go through a process of refining me um and it was quite painful because refining involves quite a lot of melting down before you get rid of the bad bits and build up the new bits Um, But if I exist now, based on that old transformation, I've missed something. Because that was before. That was probably two years ago now. What's God doing now? What is the transformation now? What am I continually being transformed to now? What's today's? We said it was a present word. It's a today thing. How's Christ transforming me now? It's in the present. And there was a word that I had in my last Preach actually which was about new things and trying new things um, which is the the verse about he's doing a new thing behold he's doing a new thing and that's an everyday verse for us you know and I don't wake up every day and say oh God's doing a new thing but maybe I should maybe we all should God you're doing a new thing what are you going to do today because yesterday's gone the past has been what are you going to do today what's the transformation in my life today every day do we do that it's personal and it's shared now i'll just explain that a bit so it's our personal relationship with christ from which the transformation comes which means we cannot be transformed through someone else's faith this is not secondhand. you can't be tagging along with someone and expect jesus's transformation to come into you because they have faith it's you and jesus and he will work in your life and that that's true if it's your parents your partner your sister, your brother. You can't be transformed by Jesus through someone else's faith. It has to be your own personal faith. But it's also shared. You know, we as Christians, we are all being transformed. Now, there might be different bits in our lives that are being transformed at different paces, at different rates, or in different areas. But one of the things that we can share as Christians is Christ is transforming us. Because sometimes transformation will be tricky. Sometimes it will feel quite painful. He'll be taking things out of you that weren't meant to be there. He'll be taking out thorns that are really painful. And actually, we've got an opportunity as a church and as life groups to share that transformation with each other and to share the ups and downs of what Jesus is doing in our lives. We can support each other, and then we can give testimony of what he has done. We can share the progress of what he's doing. And then we said it's part of our witness, so others will see and notice our transformation. If God is transforming you, you don't need to stand like I am and preach about it. People will see it. They'll see a different attitude in you. They'll see a different response at work. They'll see that you're a bit less cross in your home, or you're doing things differently, or you look differently, perhaps. People will see it. It will become part of you, the new you. And it begins on the inside. We know that verse says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's where it starts. And our minds are complex areas, and I'm no psychologist, but there's a kids' film that I think begins to show some of the challenges in people's minds. So Sharon's just going to play tiny clip. Very nice. Okay, looks like you got this. Very good. Oh, that's her turn. Ah, look out! That's fear. He's <laughs> really good at keeping Riley safe. Easy, easy, huh? Hi, back! Oh, we're good. We're good. Ooh, Thank you. Good Thank job. you very much. And we're back. <laughs> Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just saved our lives. Yeah, Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He... Cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! Right, right. Here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, So that's all going on in the little girl's head. So there's things about anger and fear and disgust, and there's probably loads more, but there's so much that goes in in our mind, isn't there? Uh, And then probably not all quite as amusing as that. Now, there are lots of challenges of that film, um, but... The principle's there, isn't it? That actually within each one of us and in each one of our minds, there are lots of things that come in. Perhaps you're somebody that that, that is so anxious and fearful and worrisome that day-to-day life is just really challenging. Perhaps it's just binding you up. You can't get on with the life that God's got for you. But God wants to transform that. Maybe you're somebody, and I I did when preparing this, really feel like this is applying to someone or, or a few people here. Maybe you're somebody that's really... Your mind is just full of apathy. You've lost interest. You've lost interest in your faith. You've lost interest in the church. And you're just feeling really apathetic. And your mind is apathetic about coming on a Sunday, about reading your Bible, about praying. Well, God can transform that. By the renewing of your mind, he can transform that. Maybe you're somebody that just feels you're not really worthy. You've got very low self-worth, low self-esteem, God will transform that. So whatever it is in our minds, often it's the thing that starts, our actions. We often think things before we do things. And if we can can help get God to help us control our mind, actually it changes the way we are. So we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I felt while while I was preparing this, there's quite a lot of times in our lives we're being limited by words as well that stick in our mind so some things that 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 caught me was people who either believed or have been told they're no good there's a message there somebody says you're no good or you tell yourself you say I'm no good or there's words like you'll never I hate that expression you'll never or even people saying to themselves I'll never I'll never not be fearful I'll never not be anxious that's absolutely wrong. Jesus word says, we can be renewed by the transforming of our minds. Or the opposite. Sometimes people speak to others and say, oh, you're always whatever. Absolutely not. Do not accept those words about yourself and never say them to someone else. It becomes a negative thought in people's minds that, that festers inside and eats people away. And then there's things like every time you, similar to always, isn't it? Now there are of course times in households where arguments might might inspire, you know, transpire that are similar to that. But what we don't want to do is to be bound up as Christians by words that are not God's truth. And if someone has spoken a word over you or you've spoken a word over yourself, I'm no good, I'll never be good at X, I'm always the bad one, I'm always getting it wrong, That's not what Jesus wants for you. And the transforming of your mind will release you from those words. Because they can become prisons behind which you sit. That you can't step into what God's got for you, because I'm not very good at that. I'm never good at speaking in public. And it will limit and restrict us, and it's not what God says. So some of the transformation will be removing things from your life that are not designed to be there. And we pick up loads of stuff like that in our lives through childhood and as we become adults. Um, we, we pick up things that have people said or that we think about ourselves. Now, I'll tell you a very practical example, which perhaps is quite glib, but it hopefully tells a story. So I'm not very artistic. Now, that's a different statement I would have said a few years ago, which would be, oh, I'm no good at art. Now, I'm not. I'm not very good at what I think art is, which is drawing, um, painting making beautiful pictures but you know over the last few years god has taught me i may not be very good at those things but i'm quite creative now that's a different thing so i'm not particularly arty whereas if somebody said do you want to come as an art thing oh no good art i'm not arty actually god's beginning to challenge to say actually there are things i'm quite good at that are quite creative in a broad sense And he's beginning to transform that area of my mind that would have always said, I'm no good at art, to actually something different. And he can do that in all of us. So if you have a moment and think, there's a thing that you think, I'm no good at. I'm also not very good at singing. (laughs) But I am creative. So God is using this time to show me what different areas he has put in me. But it's not about the negative, I'm not. It's that I am. I'm not particularly good at the drawing. Don't ask me to draw an animal of any kind. A stick man is about as good as you'll get for a stick man's drawing. But I'm creative. I'm quite good with colours. I'm quite good with dance. I'm quite good with creative ideas. And actually, God is changing that idea in my head that was from me, I'm no good at art. And it probably came from school, actually. There was probably a time at school, an art class, where it really was terrible. But it feeds into you. You say, oh, I'm no good at art. And then you avoid it. I've avoided it all these years. I don't do anything that's to do with drawing, painting. I try and steer away from it. Colouring in, I can just about cope with. Um, So I've booked an art class in three weeks' time. Because you know what? I refuse to be bound by that idea I had about myself. And if it's not good, tough. I'll have a really good time trying. All right? And so it's about moving beyond that prison that you could be sitting behind. And it might be something small, but it's about what God's saying about me, His word, not my words or someone else's saying I'm not very good at something. So if you've got things in your life where you think, somebody said, you're no good at that, you'll never, you're always, God wants to change those views. So how do we transform our minds? We've talked on it uh, briefly. So firstly, it's a personal relationship with Christ. It starts with salvation, but it continues with a day-to-day conversation and relationship with Jesus. You personally yourself, not through someone else, not through your life group, not only when you come on a Sunday. It's a daily personal walk with Christ. That he will begin to flag in your mind things that he wants to challenge, he wants to change, he wants to transform he'll pop the catalyst in there and he'll begin to help you through transforming your mind and transforming yourself. Take the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You can be prompted and you can have the catalyst, but you can choose not to take it. You can see it and hear it and think, I'm just going to accept where I am. I don't really want to go down that path, God. That sounds really tricky. Or is a really delicate area of my life that I choose to not let you. I can see you're trying to prompt me, but I don't want to go there. Take his leading, take his prompting. Because remember at the beginning we said metamorphosis is about improvement. So it's about something that will make your life, your person, your relationship with him better. Notice the thoughts and attitudes that are negative or opposite to what what God's word says. Notice those times where you have that thought yourself about being no good at something. Notice those people around you that seed those thoughts in you and either speak to them or refuse to accept that and and, uh, choose to not hear what they're saying or have a conversation with them and say, I find it really difficult when you tell me that I'm always whatever. I find it really difficult when you tell me I'm no good at something. Have a conversation. Try and change something so that you're not receiving those negative messages. Be molded by the word of God, not by the world. All right? The things that we read, the, the way we spend our time, the friends we have, the activities we do are influencing how we think and how we see the world. And if we spend time with God, in the Word, with Christian people and Christian influences, guess what? It's Christian thoughts that will come into our mind more than things from the world. So have a look at your life. Where do you spend most of your time? Where is the biggest influence that you have? What comes into your mind when you're with certain people doing certain activities? I know one of the things that I could never do is business, become someone that's really focused on violent computer games partly because I'm not very good at computer games but the violent thing really sticks with me actually and if I watch a horror film I'm really is in my mind and it really negatively affects me I feel a bit scared and it comes so I choose not to do any of that because I know the effect it has on me so what's your thing what's the thing that actually unsettles you spend time with Christian influences Christian values life group people ministry areas the people that you serve with in your ministry groups And out of a a mind transformed comes a life transformed. Out of a mind transformed comes a life transformed. And when we transform our mind, we begin to have new views, new values, perhaps new focus about where God's taking us, new hopes and new dreams. Perhaps God's planting in you something that you never thought would be your hope or your dream. But God's transforming you to the point that he's going to take you forward to what's new for you so God is continually transforming us it starts with salvation it's continuous daily with a personal relationship with him it's not about self-improvement on its own, it's about improving ourselves to be what he's made us to be and out of that comes a life transformed so the final slide is a question really Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Who is Christ taking you to be? Where are you today? What's the present transformation? And where is the future? Where is he taking you? So I just want to close in prayer and then we're just going to play a song as well. So, Father God, we want to thank you that you're a God that transforms us, that you take us from not knowing you through to being saved. But also, God, to be continually transformed by you. That by your spirit, you lead us and you guide us. You want to challenge the things that are in our mind that are not of you. Lord, we want you to be catalysts in our lives. To become the people that you've called us to be. Not what we think we want to be and not what the world says we should be. But who we are in you. And as we pray, I just want to offer the opportunity, if anyone wants to take that first step, to have a personal relationship with Jesus today. If you've not yet met him, if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, you can start that transformation today. So whilst everyone's praying, if that's a step you'd like to take, the leadership will pray with you afterwards. Just pop your hand up and I'll see it. You want to take a step to be saved, to say, Jesus, you are my king. I give my life to you. All right. And Lord, we pray that as we go through this week, we will take your leading and your prompting. We will notice thoughts and attitudes that are not of you. We will fill our lives with good influences, with good things, and that we'll be brave and strong to do what it is you've asked us to do, and that we will be the people of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're just a song. Yeah, go. I've been never, never going to play. In Stray's I've been transformed. Never, never going back. back. before. Never, never going back. I've been transformed. Never, never going back. This means war. Pray for all that. I've been transformed. Now. In my veins, I've been reborn Far from the norm Ooh. My soul transformed We are connected, clear new perspectives Synchronized into on time reflected, I'm So obsessive, serving protected Locked in, unloaded, am this love is perfected yeah.